Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show radio to open the heart, heal the soul, awaken the consciousness. Mr. Benny. Yes, Mr. my Benny. dear. Yes, my dear. I'm here. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to summer. Exactly. Officially. <laughs> Woo! Couldn't be happier. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, one of my clients told me that today, uh-huh. which is Thursday, was going to be the last day of school for her, right? So I don't know about everybody else. Some people have different schedules, but you know, summer. Yeah, it's pretty much if- wrapping up for everyone. My boys finished last Friday, the sixth grade, so congratulations to them. And yeah. um, my girlfriend's son finished high school. He graduated. That was last week as well. And then no her way. daughter, yep, and then her daughter, who actually I brought in for um, – uh, you know how you bring your uh, children to work school day? <laughs> she she came in last year, by the way. It was kind of cool that she did that. But she finishes up today, uh, ninth grade. So she'll be in 10th grade. I love that. Yeah, see, everyone's doing it. Yeah, everyone's doing it. Well, welcome to summer. Welcome to summer, everybody. I'm looking forward to this summer as, as soon as it gets sunny, which I think it's supposed to do this weekend here in Seattle. I'm not sure. Yes, but, it uh... will. And I have one more little tidbit for you, Loretta. I'm ready. Happy National Kissing Day. <gasps> Benny. Yep. Mwah. Okay. Right, ah. got I got it. Oh, I got that one too. <laughs> so send all your best kisses to everyone. Pucker up. Oh. Okay. Pucker up. And even to your fur babies because they need love too. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm very visual. All of a sudden, I I see people going up down the street just going, come here. I mean, all right. All right. You got, you got, yeah. Protect okay, maybe, yes. maybe, maybe they just blow your kisses, right? Yeah, that you know, exactly. That's that. what I did to you. Yeah, because you want to be kind of alert of your surroundings for today, yeah. I guess, for a little more. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. I think it's the perfect uh, segue into our show. Thanks, Betty. You're welcome. I love it. I love it. Anyway, I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for almost 30 years now. Do lots of great things over at Reiki Oasis, and you can find me at ReikiOasis.com, of course, and schedule everything at schedule.reikioasis.com. And yes, I am booked that far out, so just letting you know, (laughs) it is what it is. By the way, uh, people ask me this. I am in the office on Wednesdays and Fridays, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I do remote se- sessions basically all over the world. So I have Zoom and and uh, um, phone calls and things like that. And, and believe me, it works very, very well for all of the things that I do, which is not just Reiki, right? It's a lot of stuff. We do have a Reiki 2 class coming up on Saturday, July 8th. If you want to take Reiki 2. Um, you know, but check it out, sign up, send me an email at reikioasis at gmail.com. I'll answer your questions. And then I just had a beautiful, beautiful uh, temple class with my uh, women. Every month I have a class with women, Temple of the Divine Feminine. And in July, we will be meeting on July 22nd, but ha- happens to be the Feast of Mary Magdalene Day. And we're just going to have a really, really great time. And yes, we are going to Egypt again, Sacred Travels with Loretta, November. And if you're interested in going to Egypt, oh man, the trip is getting full, but I do have a few seats available and uh, send me an email immediately to reikioasis at gmail.com. We are having a get together this coming Sunday, uh, a meet and greet to talk about that trip to Egypt 
and uh, people that have gone on trips will be there with me as well as people planning to go and people who just want to come and get a little bit more information to see if they want to do something sacred and special. And uh, believe me, I lived in the Middle East for nine years and this is a very magical trip. Now, astrology, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing, how are you doing? Oh, come on, the last couple of weeks have been cranky and emotional. People are easily angered. If you've noticed it, there's been road rage and all kinds of things going on out there. I am the Schumann Resonance, those that follow that. It has really been doing some interesting things. We have solar flares. I don't quite often talk about that, but they do affect us. And of course, on uh, we had a new moon in Gemini. And of course, yesterday was the summer solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere. And the sun moved from the sign of Gemini into Cancer. Gemini is that air sign. <laughs> which mind are you are you in the good side or the bad side or well i'm on the good side get... <laughs> there's no question there i don't know about anybody Thanks. talking about waiting me. for you to jump in there betty well i was going to talk about solar flares too i think some people are yeah. shooting them right at each other i mean this I, is ridiculous I, they are right? they are it's just kind of like duck right you know oh, many like times. you say you say hello and someone goes what yeah exactly <laughs> i was trying to give you a kiss didn't you remember Wow. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I can feel that the energies are starting to shift. We've moved into uh, watery cancer and um, it's going to help us, I don't know, come back to home and hearth and the things that really matter back to the heart. On June 21st, the energy grid of the planet moved into a higher harmony. Some of you felt that, right? The thinning of the veil, allowing us to access the spirit of things with greater ease. And with the veil thin, our intentions and vibrations become more powerful. Mm. Some people are saying, you know what? I got to be careful what I say and think, Loretta, because I'm manifesting it like instantly. So be aware of that. The sun moving out of Gemini and into sensitive cancer will guide us to be more in touch with our heart and our body. Cancer is a sign associated with loyalty, family, creating a sense of home. And with all the energies activated, you might wish to explore some sort of, um, I call it a daily practice, meditation. Bonding with nature is great. And um, getting together with like-minded people, people that you love, right? Also on the 21st, Ceres, the goddess asteroid of grain and harvest, entered the goddess-ruled Libra, creating an influx of nourishing, supportive, and regenerative energy. Ah, that's like bathing in the sun. The energy is best expressed through the feminine principles of going with the flow, allowing, oh, and surrendering in the best way, right? Couple this with the strong Venus energy that is also flowing through our cosmic skies at the moment. And it seems we're being guided to step into a place of trusting and allowing. And then I have to bring this next thing up on June 30th, Neptune joins both Pluto and Saturn as it enters retrograde, having three planets retrograde, plus Venus is gonna go retrograde in July. 
can create a slowdown effect in the skies. We might find ourselves naturally looking back in order to move forward. And Neptune travels retrograde from June 30 through December 6th of this year in the sign of Pisces. This particular Neptune retrograde cycle will guide us to look back over events since December 4th of 2022 to see if we need to look at things with a healthy dose of reality. We may have to take our rose-colored glasses off and face up to the truth. Neptune is the ruler of water, spirituality, intuition, creativity, illusions, deceits, dreams, art, fantasy, entertainment, and mind-altering substances. Whenever Neptune's energy is strong, it casts a veil, which can sometimes create fogginess or confusion. Neptune does this as it wants us to look beyond our external world and move into our internal world for guidance. When the outside world is foggy, Neptune, dreamy Neptune, reminds us the only place to look is within or up. When Neptune enters retrograde, however, the veil is lifted and we are confronted with the truth. Illusions can come crashing down and deceits can be exposed. And what has been happening behind the curtain is going to come out. So it's sort of like the Wizard of Oz, don't look behind the curtain. Oops, there it is. So Neptune retrograde is here through December. It can create reveal untruths or things we didn't want to see but really sometimes we do need to see them don't we especially if we've been caught in magical thinking or procrastinations you know we all do those things so the shift that's coming in may be big or small depending on where you are currently in your own life a higher truth has now been found and the higher truth will continue to evolve as we grow in consciousness so this is a time for us to wake up to take a, a strong look at things. And honestly, that's such a good, great segue into my guest today who can help us understand how to, I don't know, maybe go deeper, connect with God. Maybe, I don't know, he's going to know, he's the expert. My guest today is David L. Lieberman, author of a great book, Transcendental Judaism, Enlivening the Eternal Within to uplift ourselves and the world. Well, I think the title says it all. David Lieberman was raised in a reform Jewish household and began to immerse himself in the Torah in 2003. He's trained as a spiritual director, someone who accompanies others on their spiritual journeys, and he served as chairman of the board of Valley Beit Mid Midrash. I probably said that wrong. I apologize. Yeah. I'm not... Oh, thank you. A not-for-profit organization committed to pluralistic, forward-thinking, Jewish learning, whose ethical teachings drive social activism and engage the next generation of leaders. Wow, David, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Loretta. Thanks for inviting me. I'm very pleased to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking how appropriate it is that you're here today while we're under all this incredible energy in the sky that wants us to get more spiritual and go deeper yeah. yeah yeah i was i was amazed to hear what you were talking about with neptune and and if that's if that's the direction we're going that's that's beautiful yeah so i have a wonderful book here 
And I'm just going to tell people right now, this is a deceptively tiny looking little book filled with absolute richness. And um, you start reading it, David, I got sucked in right away. So could you please give us a little background about yourself and what led to the writing of this book, please? Absolutely. And I do do that, as you as you imply, right in the introduction <laughs> of my book. And I'll jump into that right now. Back in the year 1975, uh, when I was a you know, 21 or 22-year-old kid, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 70 years old here. Uh, I'm, I'm a cancer. Uh, so in, uh, in, a, in, a, you know, in, a, in a little while, in this cycle, I'm going to be 70. Uh, I learned how to meditate. And uh, in my very first uh, session, when the uh, teacher had taught me what to do, and I had been meditating for a number of minutes, and then, okay, she says, it's over, just sit quietly for a minute, and then we'll talk about your experience. As I was coming out of my meditation, I had had a peaceful calm just sort of descend on me. And... I had a sense, I had been having a sense of just complete connectedness with the world around me and a sense of all knowing, not that there was any one particular thing I knew, but just an incredible spiritual experience and was really, had not been having any thoughts either. And later I learned that that's what's considered an experience of transcendence going beyond. And then when my senses re-engaged with the world around me, I had this thought, I started to hear things, and, and this thought was seared into my mind that I've never forgotten in the last 48 years that I've been meditating now. The birds in the trees, and the cars on the highway are singing the song of life together in perfect harmony, and the world is unfolding just as it should be. And that sense wow. of the birds in the trees and the cars in the highway on the highway singing the song of life together in perfect harmony. Yeah. What is that? And I later came to learn that in touching the transcendent, that field of oneness, which is our shared essence, as I actually experienced that, when, when I sort of came back into the world, I spontaneously brought that sense of oneness back to the things that I was experiencing in the manifest world, the sights and sounds of what was going on. And uh, although I didn't fully understand that at the time, uh, that's what I, that's what I you know, came to begin to understand. And that just blew me away. And then couple that with my experience later in life in, start, in, in studying more about Judaism, uh, not until I was about 50 years old did I really begin to get more deeply into Judaism. And one day... I'm studying Torah, studying the Jewish texts, and all of a sudden those words start to jump off the page and come alive to me. Uh, uh, you know, with, with uh, you know Jacob lying down uh, in Genesis, and he, he wakes up and said, "Surely 
God is in this place and I did not know it. And the same sense sort of came over me. And I thought, is there a connection here between my experience of transcendence through meditation and the deepness uh, and the spirituality of the words of Torah, which I had never felt before? They were only intellectual intellectual experiences to me. And I started to learn and study about that connection. And that's what caused me to have to write the book. Once I learned what was going on, that's the story behind, I got to share this with some other people because this is really amazing. I love your story so much. I am, I can feel it. And I I can say I've had this experience where, and actually I have it a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I can go way back to when that first started to happen for me. But this idea, I love this, this idea that the birds and the cars and everything, there is this, yeah, I, you know, I get to the point where I don't have words. I think you described it very well, this, this oneness, this, it's all working perfectly. It's all together. I'm a musician, right? I'm very musical. And for me, I call, I, it's like all of a sudden everything just clicks. It's yeah. like, oh, here we are, right? We're in the zone. Yeah, we're in the zone. Yeah. In the pocket, as we say. <laughs> Gig players. <laughs> we are really in the pocket. Um, I'm thinking when you're talking also about our world and the last few years in particular have been very upsetting to people, very divisive and very, I'm going to say scary, mm-hmm. you know, very scary. And I don't know if you can apply that to, I think it all goes together. It, it How this changes, how you navigate through a world of change and turmoil. I'll just I- let you speak to that. Yeah. Uh, a good question. Uh, it does. Um, the sense of connecting with the essence of all of us is a kind of an anchor. Uh, and it happens, I think, or my experience has been, that, you know, that I've been doing this regular connection through transcendence over, you know, for almost 50 years now. Yeah. Uh, I probably have a, a longer way to go than most people. Uh, <laughs> but, but but very, very subtly and very, very gently, there's this sense of that I can find my way through the world with a little bit more ease, yeah. maybe a few fewer hiccups. And I do tend to look at things and again, I, I I don't know what I can really attribute this to, but I tend to view things a little bit more holistically. In other words, if I've if some if I've got an action, if I'm going to take an action. If I need to do, what's the effect of somebody else? And I was I just have this sense that we're all in this together, and and you know, yeah, yeah. Through this turmoil. I I can give you a a very brief specific example of this. I had been meditating regularly for about a year. I mean, it's a long time ago, but I've been meditating for a year after I started. And things started to go more smoothly in my life. 
And I thought, gee, this is pretty good. Um, I wonder whether meditation is really going to do me, you know, any good or much better or not. I mean, you know, things have improved and, 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 and um, maybe I don't need to meditate. I can save a little bit of time every day. So I stopped meditating and I did, I didn't think that much about it, but, but for a week, it turns out, I mean, I wasn't counting the days but <laughs> I came home from work a week later and I flopped down on the couch and I said, oh my gosh, this last week, I feel like I've been like one of those hamsters in one of those, you know, exercise wheels where I'm running faster and faster. I'm working harder and harder and I'm not getting anywhere. What's going on? And then, of course, you know, I'm an idiot. I dawned on me. Well, I hadn't been meditating for a week. Yeah. To me, that message was this, this connection with the, and I can get into the Jewish theology. A little yeah. bit. I don't yep. want to get too much on this. But this, this place of, this transcendent place of no thingness, nothingness, from which the world manifests. You know, I mean, in, in Jewish teachings, right? You read in Genesis 1-1, right? God created the world from nothingness. And what are the, there's that nothingness is God's infinite intelligence. It's the place of infinite creativity, infinite potential. And when we, when we touch that, when we can let our, if we quiet our minds, one way of doing that through the meditative quieting of our minds, we touch that, it rubs off on us. And we sort of feel a, a little bit more aligned with the world around us. And I actually had the experience of finding that I've, that, that, that for a year, I was becoming more and more aligned. Things flowed with me or for me. And then when I stopped, I literally, I noticed a difference. Yeah. It's like there are bumps, there are more bumps in the road. And then when I started again, it started it's like a scientific experiment. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So yes, in terms of how we move forward in the world during these troubled times, I think it gives us an anchor and it connects us all together and it helps us move forward in a constructive manner. Um, you say that, I love your answers. You're just saying it so perfectly. Um, absolutely. Um, I quite often tell people, number one, the breath, like for, remember to breathe, <laughs> practice breathing. And, but what you just said to be able to come into that center made me think of a tornado, right? And how the world gets us swirling. Yeah. And so many people are looking outside for some answer or some kind of direction. And I, I, I kind of have a bad sense of humor. I'm like, well, I don't know how you think confused people are going to tell you clearly which way to go, right? It's confusion out there. So transcendent, this connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah this connection. Yeah. There's a, there, there's a, a Jewish, uh, uh, academic and uh, mystical teacher. Uh, many, many of your listeners know that the the spiritual or the mystical teaching of Judaism is called Kabbalah. Yes. And um, uh, Kabbalah, 
teaches just just like the traditional Jewish texts, you know, of Genesis one one of the Hebrew Bible, that you know, out of nothingness God created the world. Um, these uh, spiritual texts teach the same thing. They use maybe some different words. This this place of the transcendent, uh, uh, which you know we often call God, the hidden God, uh, in in um, mystical uh, teachings, we use the Hebrew words, the Ein Sof, Ein Sof, that means without end, that's all it means, the Ein Sof, and this uh, teacher, his name is Gershom Sholem, back in the 20th century, um, he gave a really a beautiful analogy uh, that is going to tie us back to what you just said a minute ago, and that is, he said, if we use an analogy and view the universe as a tree and all the different components of the tree are all the differences that we see out in the universe, okay, the, the branches, the trunk, the bark, the flower, the leaf, all these things are different, okay? What is the Ein Sof? The Ein Sof is the sap of the tree. The sap of the tree feeds and supports and transforms itself. It has no particular qualities, right? It's not green like the leaf. It's not brown like the, it's not thorny. You know, it doesn't taste, you know, wonderful like the fruit of the tree, but it, tra it transforms or it transmutes itself from no thingness into thingness. Um, and as long as we're, you know, I'm yep, throwing yep. a little bit of Judaism in here, but the, the Jewish term for no thingness, nothingness is ayin, and the word for thingness is yesh. So the sap transforms from ayin to yesh, okay? And in the leaf is still the sap. The essence is still there. And in the flower, the sap is still there. Though we look at it, and they look like different and separate things. The essence is what we all share. Okay, mm -hmm. so you talked about looking outside, and I was laying the groundwork for saying, yeah, we have to look outside, right? Because if we don't look outside, we're gonna trip over the curb while we're walking down the street, okay? And if we can also let our attention go back to the sap, we're never not connected to the sap, just like the leaf. The sap is always the essence, mm -hmm. part of the leaf. The Ein Sof, God's infinite intelligence, infinite creativity. We're never not connected to it. It is our essence. And so if we can simply let ourselves quiet down and touch that, then we absorb it in our lives and we bring it forward in our actions and our thoughts. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, we are going to take a station break. It's the perfect place for it. And I love this analogy of the tree and, and the Kabbalah. Um, and I love you bringing in these specifics uh, for uh, Judaism, the Jewish traditions, because it makes so much sense. It just makes so much sense and will help those people listening um, that understand that, right? 
So uh, we're going to take a little station break. This is Loretta Brown, my guest today, David L. Lieberman, and his beautiful book, Transcendental Judaism. We'll be right back. Colorectal cancer doesn't stop for COVID-19. Hello, I'm Dr. Cecilia Brewington. If you are age 45 or older, it's time to return to care and get tested. The government requires insurance companies to cover not only colonoscopy, but a range of tests, including virtual colonoscopy and other less invasive exams. Talk to your doctor about your options today. For more information on virtual colonoscopy, visit radiologyinfo.org. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now... We're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show with my guest, David L. Lieberman. And I want to remind everybody that these shows are archived. You can listen to this show over and over again anytime you want at the archives for 1150 AM KKNW, the original Loretta Brown Show. And we're on iTunes, Podcast One, Megaphone, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, I'm sure I left something out. Anyway, we're out there and please go and uh, listen to all the other shows too, as well as this one. So before the break, David was just, I don't know, I was telling him during the break that this book for me has brought in the beauty of these teachings and the aliveness of them. They, they're, it, it's just, I don't know. I just love the way that you're explaining things. Um, I want to bring out a couple of things. Um, number one, why is the idea of transcendental Judaism so important? Well, I believe it's important because it may be a path through which more and more Jews can feel their connection with God. Um, And again, I'm talking Jews now, but I'm not only just talking Jews. We can talk about, uh, you know, this field of the transcendent is, is available to everyone. But today we're talking sort of through the lens of Judaism, uh, and, and I'm sure you have other guests who talk about the field of the transcendent through other lenses and other spiritual practice. But Judaism in particular, Judaism teaches, uh, and you may know this, uh, uh, Loretta, that uh, the Hebrew Bible um, is particularly the first portion of it, the first five books uh, of the Bible Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are referred to in Judaism as Torah. And you used the word Torah before. And 
spread out through those books are commandments. Now, almost all of us have heard of the Ten Commandments, but it may surprise uh, uh, non-Jews to learn that there are hundreds of other commandments in the in the Torah. And Judaism teaches that we connect with God by performing the commandments. And in Hebrew, the word for a commandment is a mitzvah. And the plural of mitzvah is mitzvot. And <laughs> the word mitzvah comes in Hebrew, comes from the Aramaic word tzavta. I don't want to get too much into wording here, but the Aramaic word tzavta means connection. So it's all about connection. It's all about yeah. And by performing the mitzvot, um, Jewish teachings are that we connect with God. Now, the reason, that, again, that I think my book is important is that the traditional practice of the mitzvot for many Jews has not is not necessarily so meaningful the you know there are practices about the way we eat eating in a kosher manner keeping the sabbath which means not going out and working on saturday and you know there, there are other things and and many modern jews don't they don't connect with that so much uh, many do and it's very meaningful to them and they do find connection with god but many Jews feel a sense of spiritual. Here's the thing, of course, you've heard this before. Mm -hmm. Spiritual, not religious, right? Yeah, many right. Have a sense of spirituality, but they don't feel religious. And historically, also, Judaism teaches that when we when we understand and perform the mitzvot, we can do so at multiple levels. And the level that we don't often talk about uh, the first. The first level is called the level of plain meaning. In Hebrew, we say pshat, and then we can interpret and understand a, a mitzvah at a higher level, more of a meaning uh, that is is called remez, which is the meal, the meaning of sensing or feeling. Then the third level is drash, which is more an intellectual level. And the fourth level is the mystical level called sod. And so my premise here is that many of us traditionally understand the, the mitzvot at the lower levels. Uh, and we can also connect through the mitzvot at the mystical level. And so to me, that's what's important, is bringing back the practice of connecting, performing the mitzvot, the connection at the spiritual, the mystical level, for those who may not feel the connection at the other levels. And when I say bring back, Judaism has a rich history of meditation. Yeah. Uh, so that that's, that's why I believe that it was important uh, for me uh, to uh, to talk about transcendental Judaism, to reestablish, to revive, maybe in a way uh, that we connect through the mitzvot, but we now, not to forget that we can connect maybe directly at the spiritual level, the mystical level, and people who maybe haven't connected at the other levels may find an opportunity to do so uh, through the revival of these teachings. Um, at revival of these teachings. Um, so 
this kind of brings people together, right? Of, of different, a variety of ways of looking at that. And I was also thinking to myself, there are many, many times when people do things, and it, I, I say it with all respect, mindlessly, right? So I'm I'm doing this thing and, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, how, to, how, how am I going to pay my taxes and what, why are the kids fighting and, you know, blah, blah. But you're bringing in this, it, it literally is a richness, a deepness, right? A, a fulfilled aspect to it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, yes. Many, many of the commandments in Judaism, um, uh, many of the practices in Judaism uh, require us or suggest to us that we say a blessing before we perform an action. So before we sit down to eat, uh, we, we say a blessing. Um, if we see a rain, there's a blessing for seeing a rainbow. Okay. <laughs> There, 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 there are many blessings uh, out there, and that provides us a kind of a mindfulness uh, that we don't take the world around us for granted. And so that can be very helpful to us. Uh, and, and, and the various commandments, just by performing them, right? If, if, we, if we want to eat in a kosher way, uh, we have to plan, right, that we're not going to eat milk and meat together in the same meal, right? So it's it, it there's a mindfulness around that. Now, when I talk about meditation, I am not talking about mindfulness. A lot of people um, conflate the word meditation with mindfulness. Now, there is my, there is a type of meditation called mindfulness which many people practice and many benefits have been shown to come out of it, right? You, you, you sort of sit quietly, maybe you focus on the breath for a while, and then you are mindful of thoughts and feelings that come up. Perhaps you notice that something triggers you and you say, ah, I've learned something about myself. Or, <laughs> right? And, and, and it, it's a practice that has a number of benefits. But the type of meditation that I'm talking about is not a mindfulness meditation. It's a meditation that facilitates, in a way, I'm sort of making this word up, mindlessness. It's the quieting of the mind, mm -hmm. not mindful. But as I described in my first experience, I didn't have thoughts. I didn't have feelings. There was that, I experienced that ayan that no thingness, and that is um, a point that I wanted to clarify. Now, there's even another type of meditation. I, I'm not going to go through all the millions of types of meditations there are, but there's a third type, three like primarily popular types of meditation. One, and, and the last one I want to talk about is a meditation of focus or concentration, right? Sometimes people want to meditate because they want to enliven a certain quality, maybe more in their lives, like uh, gratefulness or, you know, compassion or, right? They, 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 want, they, they want to feel uh, 
that they want to strengthen something in their lives. So they'll sit quietly, they'll contemplate, and you can work, use the word meditate. They meditate on that, and it makes that become more lively in their lives. So there's different types of meditation. Each one has its own types of benefits. And I just want to make it clear that the type of meditation that I'm referring to is one that facilitates transcendence, because that's what takes us down to our essence, lets us quiet the mind down to essentially nothingness. And then as we experience that, we sort of absorb that into our lives. Thank you. It was actually, um, you went exactly in the right direction. I want to point out to people that in your in your book, Transcendental Judaism, you do discuss several types of meditation in there. And I think it's important for that clarification. So mindlessness, no thingness, uh-huh, like, oh my goodness, there's nothing going on with the committee. They're done. <laughs> I hit the gap when it's been adjourned. <laughs> I, it's quiet. Quiet. Yeah. quiet for a while. Yeah, yeah, for a while, yeah. Um, you you mentioned that you were reviving, reviving something, and I know that you have really studied ancient Jewish texts yes. to pull some of this forward. Do you want to comment on that? Briefly, yes, and, and I'm actually pulling, pulling the book up here. Uh, I, I discussed uh, about, about 10... Uh, ancient uh, types of Jewish meditation um, in, in my book. And the the thread that connects, there are different types of meditation, but the thread that connects them is this concept of nullifying your ego, stopping your thinking, isolating yourself, unifying your mind with God, right? And you, you're not doing that if you're chattering away. You know, or think, um, and um, and those meditations uh, are unfortunately the literature talks about that some of them are very difficult to do, and um, uh, you know, are only supposed to be done by uh, maybe people of a certain age and after they've gained a certain amount of maturity and things like that. Um, uh, there's a type of meditation called permutations, which just very briefly, you, you take the name of God in Hebrew or one of the names of God in Hebrew, four letters, uh, yud Hey vav Hey. I'm not going to get into all the details about that, but then there's Hebrew uh, vowels and then you intersperse the consonants, the four letters of God with the Hebrew vowels, and you do a permutation of interspersing them. Why is that? Because one of the ancient uh, spiritual texts said that, well, and even, well, traditional Judaism, God spoke, right, and the world came into, into being. So if we can align ourselves with the words, all the different permutations and combinations of the letters, then we may be able to become part of God's mind who's mm. into practice, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's all about unifying through different ways, unifying your mind with God's mind. And that's why I talk about reviving them, because there's this 
again, this practice of nullification of the ego. In, in Hebrew, we say bitul, the unification of God, yechudim, uh, isolating yourself so that your thoughts calm down and you isolate yourself from everything else. Hit bodedut. These are just different ways of, of getting at this place of silence uh, where um, that that a 20th century uh, uh, rabbi who's fairly well known, uh, Rabbi uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, he may be known by people because he marched with Martin Luther King in Selma. And when he was marching, he famously said, I am praying with my feet. Uh, uh, yes. Heschel mm -hmm. talked about this silence. He talked about it as a universal stillness, he said. When when we we want to get close to God, we want to go beyond our thoughts and our emotions to a universal stillness. Yeah. That's how he described it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, you're making me feel still. I like it. <laughs> Maybe we could just spread that out through the world, right? Which which actually is a great question. So one person, can one person touching the transcendent affect others and the world? Yes, yes, it, it can happen. Uh, our, our, our Hebrew texts talk a little bit about that. Some of us may remember the story in Genesis of Abraham uh, negotiating with God over the fate of Sodom. Yeah. Uh, God said, okay, if there are 50 righteous people in Sodom, now I'm I'm making a tie here between a righteous person and someone who has this transcendent experience and then is aligned with God, you know, so to speak. So I, I'm, I'm sort of making that little connection there. And uh, God says, yeah, okay, if there are 50 righteous people, I won't destroy Sodom. Okay. And then Abraham says, well, what if there's 45? Do you remember this story? <laughs> I do very much. <laughs> Finally, they negotiate and it's 10, right? Now, apparently there were not even 10 righteous people because Sodom did get destroyed, right? But the idea is that not everybody has got to be, have this connection, right? A, a, a smaller group of people can affect the outcome uh, the lives of a larger group. And there have been uh, scientific studies that have uh, shown uh, not only are there individual positive effects of repeated experiences of transcendence, but when groups get together of a certain critical size, then they have a positive effect of the world around them. And so we, we pick the concept up from the Hebrew Bible and we move it forward into the scientific age a little bit. Yeah, because we do a lot of talking about the quantum field and quantum entanglement and things like that, right? Right. How, yeah. how, how uh, two uh, particles may be separated by vast, vast differences. And when one changes its spin, the other one automatically does so immediately even when those particles are separated at a distance where farther away than the speed of light, you know, could have connected them happening. And we think that there's nothing faster than the speed of light. So 
what's happening, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think we know. I don't know. That connectedness is there. Yeah, I know. I know, you know, I practice Reiki and we do distance healing. And of course, I I just kind of feel like at, at that level, we transcend time and space and distance. And there is that oneness, that unity. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have so many questions. I'm trying to figure out two burning questions and I'm I'm watching our time. Um, you know, you talked about the Kabbalah er earlier, and I know that it is depicted as a tree. I loved your talk about the sap and the tree. Um, why why are the uh, the ten se sephirot? What why are they depicted as a tree? Uh, the, they're depicted as a tree, uh, and they're depicted as a person. Okay. And they're depicted as actually an upside down tree. Mm, okay. Have that yes. in the book. I don't yes. remember what I'm, I'm going to reach for my book, but it doesn't matter what page it is. But anyway, yeah. And the reason is because the the if they're depicted when they're depicted as an upside down tree, the spherot, uh, when they are. Yes, it's, thank you. It's uh -huh. page 20. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Uh, when they're depicted that way then the roots of the tree are viewed as being fed by the aim sof yes and so then that 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 um life essence then is that sap is flowing through the roots into the tree which then manifests itself uh, at the lower levels you know in terms of branches and leaves and things like yeah. that yeah, there's so much we could say about that. I'm going to jump from tree to tree. You right. also discuss in your in your book about the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and we know there's trees. Yes. Tree. Uh, can you <laughs> talk <Yes>. about that? <laughs> Thank you for that. And this will help anyone who's is reading the book. I do give two different tree analogies. Yes. Uh, I try to be clear about them, but. Um, the reason that I talk about the tree analogy in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden, is because uh, people say, uh, "Well, you know, the problem was that Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge." Well, that's not the whole name of the tree. The name of the tree is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? What does that mean to me? That means it's the tree of the knowledge of differences. Yeah. Before Adam and Eve ate of that tree, they had a sense of oneness about everything, right? They didn't really comprehend differences, right? They did not know they were naked, for example. Okay. Everything, it was heaven. Eden is all we often refer to as heaven on earth, right? And so this eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the inevitable march in the creation of the world from no thingness to thingness, from oneness to differences. And when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of differences, then, then all of a sudden their focus then went more outward, right? And 
Well, and and they had to, you know, it had to in a way, right? Because again, they're going to trip over the curb. They're going to trip over the tree branch, you know, if they don't look out for differences in the world. It's a, it's a symbol for moving from oneness to manifestation of differences. It's a symbol of the creation of the world, moving from heaven to earth, from oneness to differences. And so um, Christians view this as an original sin. Jews just view it as uh, a fall. I view it as the inevitable reason that is needed to move us from, uh, to make creation real, to go from nothingness to thingness, putting our attention on, on, on the differences. And uh, there's a rabbi um, uh, named, I'm, I'm just checking his name here, Rabbi Aaron of Staroshale, a, a city, uh, you know, in Europe. He says, God, we, we, we need to see from both sides of the coin. God sees God's self, and we see objects, people, and things. But really, they're both different sides of the same coin. And right. so, 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 yeah. so Adam and Eve had to start to see um, objects, people, and things just in order to make the world work. Yeah. So you know, we are actually, yeah, I have to interrupt because we're actually out of time, which is crazy. Um, my guest today, David L. Lieberman, Transcendental Judaism. You can find him at transcendentaljudaism.com and valleybaitmidrash.org. And uh, you have five seconds, one last thing to the audience, David. Well, I just want to say thank you, the <laughs> audience, for listening and for considering another way to look at the world around us.